Welcome everyone to Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Um, we wanted to kind of push into a different direction this week, where uh, obviously we normally talk about movies, but there's so much going on with our country right now, and it felt it felt awkward to be like, let's you know, let's review a movie as always or whatever as opposed to being upfront about our own feelings concerning what's taking place and what have you, um, especially when we have, you know, plenty of opportunity to go over things in the future, let alone all these past months where we've already, you know, talked around the idea that things have not been the best in 2020. So we wanted to kind of take this period uh, for this episode specifically to just kind of lay some things out there, lay some thoughts that we're having on things and hopefully get to, you know, some interesting and serious conversation uh that will both you know benefit abe and i as well as you know just give you the listeners an idea of uh, what's going on and how we can kind of uh, talk about things in a you know a more serious light certainly and i, I kind of want to really impress upon people that this is specifically around the protests that are going on and around police brutality um and I certainly want to make sure that everyone is aware that we are going to get into some more serious topics uh, that we normally, you know, we do have on the show from time to time. But this is just an episode devoted to that. So this is an area that or this is a, a topic that is hit close to uh, my home. And uh, I'm sure that it is hit close to Aaron's home and just want to talk about it because. Like what Aaron said, there's no real reason to talk about a movie that we might not have wanted to watch or whatever the case is. I mean, this is like bigger than everything that's going on right now. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, we I know <laughs> I know Abe, you you had a kind of a idea of where we were going to go with things from here. And I want to let you kind of speak, speak to that and we can kind of you know see where this conversation takes us. And I just want to emphasize up front here. Uh, you know, we often mention at the end of the show, you can email us or messages on Facebook and Twitter on our pages and whatnot, uh, you know, just your own thoughts on everything. And, you know, it's certainly, it, yes, we, it's nice to focus on the films and everything. That's what we do here. But at the same time, like if there, you know, there are, you know, thoughts and concerns or what have you, or ways to relate these to the things that we're talking about in general, like feel free to email us or feel free to get into us on our, our various, you know, social channels that we have for the page. Cause it's, uh. I, I, it is nice the way we kind of come together and like you know, we're able to share things on the show or what have you. So it, you know. completely. And it, to give everyone the obvious historical information, you know, in light of what's passed in the past month and a half, uh, on top of COVID, like what Aaron had mentioned, there have been three killings of Black Americans in the U.S. Uh, across different states, uh, including Ahmad Aubrey. Uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, George Floyd being probably the, the one that has uh, sort of helped to ignite this firestorm across yeah. the U.S. Um, you know, just some quick background. Ahmad Aubrey was running in his neighborhood for exercise, was cornered by two white people in their trucks and was killed with a shotgun. Breonna Taylor was sleeping in her home, wrong arrest, shot eight times in her bed. George Floyd arrested on the ground. He, he ran a counterfeit $20 bill, and then they caught him, and then they held him on the ground for 8 minutes and 47 seconds with, like, a knee on his neck, uh, essentially uh, killing him um, by crushing the carotid artery and, and the the pathway air, air pathways. As the so, other officers stood around him and did nothing. And did nothing, yeah. My sister lives in Minneapolis. She lives close to the 
the um, where all this is happening in the Twin Cities, St. Paul, Minneapolis. And she also is Mong, which is uh, one of the officers. So it kind of created this like internal uh, dialogue in the Mong community about where we stand. And obviously she and I and my family are just vehemently against this person for being an asshole uh, because his criminal record has been, or his, his police record has had like seven or eight um, issues with against him that have all been dismissed. Um, but because of all of these things, and these are not the first times that these things have happened, uh, they've obviously happened throughout time. I, I think that there's been a quote going around on Twitter about Will Smith saying, this has always been happening, it's just now that we have video cameras. Um, racism's not new, it's just now it's being filmed. Now it's being filmed, yeah. And what I think has been the most disturbing to me is that <laughs> we have all these peaceful protests and then we still get capturing videos of more police brutality against these people, peaceful protests, whether that be with mace, uh, with people sitting down, standing down with knees to the face. I mean, Aaron and I talked about an old man, the 75 year old man from Buffalo, New York, getting pushed and then he trips and he hits his head. And it's, it's pretty uh, it's pretty difficult for a video to watch. I mean, there's just so many things that are going on that I for me, like the historical context of it is, wow, this is pretty fucked up. And I definitely have been aware of this. And it's kind of just, it's very fascinating to see that there's still camps um, of, well, maybe the cops aren't all bad. It's like, I don't know if you can really necessarily say that, considering we've been seeing all this very brand new footage of more police brutality against peaceful protests. Um, I know I'm going all over the place. I think from a historical perspective, Aaron, I, I kind of want to hear from you of just how this has affected you, um, kind of where your thoughts are uh, from the from everything that's been going on lately. I mean, it, it, you can... There is the... I mean, yeah, there there is the, the thought that goes around that, that, like, yes, all cops aren't bad. Well, I mean... Yeah, all every there's a lot of all things that aren't bad, but that's not the point. There's so many things, <laughs> there's so many problems here that have persisted and haven't been checked. That's the greater issue to to get into, and that's what that's what a big, a big part of these protests are about. Is the idea is like, yeah, okay, that's great that there <laughs> are good aspects here, but how about the bad ones that continue to go unchecked? And I mean, as far as history that goes into this, it's the the beyond being mentally stressed out by everything that's occurring currently it's the fact that i'm so resigned to accepting the fact that these things happen uh, that i i it's nice to see that there is a <laughs> a massive change that hasn't or a massive kind of response to things lately that hasn't died down it's not like you know the next day something else happened and we're suddenly moved on from this it's it's been over a week now at this point and it doesn't look like it's slowing down and if anything uh, other not just here but other countries are joining in as far as like hey there's a real issue that needs to be looked at uh, more closely than simply you know a band-aid or certain arrests or what have you mm -hmm. um where i stand you know i live down in southern california outside of la i'm not 
I'm fortunate to not have to kind of deal with this sort of thing on a regular basis. I have dealt with racism. I've, I've dealt with <laughs> getting certain looks, getting certain reactions or things just for existing, and it's not comfortable. Um, and it's it's a state of mind that I have where I'm just like, this is just how things are. Um, and it's unfortunate to feel that way. Uh, I... I, again, I, I can't, I am in a, I'm in a position where I haven't, like, I don't need to, I don't necessarily feel like I'm threatened when I look past certain, you know, people or officers of the law just because of, I know where I am. Um, at the same time, I can't not, like, show the kind of concern that, I can't not show concern for everything that's going on on a regular basis that get even now in the time that we're in where you can film something and put it up instantly and still see very little justice happen as far as making up for the things that have occurred. Um, yeah. And I do want to emphasize that I think that there's, it just, I'm sorry. It just gets difficult. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, ahead. completely. Yeah. yeah I, I just want to say that again, this is not an easy subject for, for us to approach. It's kind of just more of, you know, to piggyback on something that Aaron had just mentioned, um, because we've known about it for a while, we've had firsthand experience of it. Of course, I've had firsthand experience of racism. I grew up in like a central California city where Asians aren't the majority. Um, and surprisingly, like I went to like a school that elementary middle school that was not crazily like closed minded, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, but it also helps when you grow up and you start reading things and you start, you know, hopefully um understanding more things about history and also more things about other cultures and, and whatever else um, that helps expand your mind. But I, I also wanted to remind everybody that while we did have George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, in recent light, we also had Christian Cooper, who was just a bird watcher in New York, Central Park. And uh, he requested for Amy Cooper to put her dog on a leash, according to the uh, park guidelines. And then he started videotaping her and she basically used her white privilege to say, I'm going to call the cops. And in the, in her tone to the police, she used a, I am the victim type of, of voice, um, and also message. And that would, that should scare you if it doesn't, because it's essentially a, he said, she said, and while he is recording, it is one of the situations where, I would always be, I, I mean, it, it just was so scary to see her automatically go into, I don't even know how to describe it, like what mode that is, but um, it really bothered me that she was able to say, um, change your voice, I'm, I'm the victim here, this black man is um, harassing me, and I was like, this is really, like, you think it's unfathomable, you think that Get Out is a movie, but it's happening all the time every day um what's great city. is what's great is that the uh you when you mentioning get out like what the brilliance of get out is in relation to this is how that's a movie where it could have easily been about you know white conservatives that are doing the things that they're doing to people but it's not it's about white liberals and that's very much what's going on in that video um yeah the, the thing i i don't deny that there's a, a certainly a, like a scare factor as far as someone being on the phone and doing that but there's such a 
for me personally, seeing this video, let alone every other video that's, you know, random white people calling up black people, it's the fact that there's they're being recorded and the sense of relief I get is that by the time they're hitting some feed that I can see it visibly, like I can see this video, that means it's already viral, which means that whatever like thought that that person had in making some kind of call or whatnot to rat out black people for being black, um, because that's such a crime, mm-hmm. um, it, that that to me that shows well that didn't work. Like that's 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 mm-hmm. that's, that's that's kind of where my head goes. Yeah, where, where it's like in the moment. Yeah, that's an alarming situation, I'm sure. But at the same time, someone, a little, I mean, Christian Cooper, someone that already had a kind of status because he's a, I believe, a comic book uh, writer and whatnot. Like he has a certain standing in community in addition to being a bird watcher. Um, yeah, he's but, like president of the Audubon Society. Over yeah, there yeah. Or something. so, so be, be, uh, but like with so many other like random people that have no like you know higher presence beyond I filmed this thing and people shared it. Like that's that shows me some kind of promise as far as like, we're not just going to sit down taking this stuff. We could easily film these things, throw them out there and show you for the person that you're trying to be right now. Um, yeah, again, that doesn't make it better as far as like, well, they're still doing it. But at the same time, it's like, well, like you mentioned that you mentioned that quote. It's like, now it's getting filmed. Now, now mm-hmm. you can see firsthand what it is to be yourself and still be, <laughs> you know, harassed or called, you know, being told that you're wrong for doing nothing. Um, there, there is, you know, that's, that's something I can think of and look at with not necessarily a smile, but a sense of like, well, that's some form of justice compared to what's currently, you know, things that are not currently, cause they've been happening as you've mentioned, mm-hmm. and as I very well know, but I mean, the things that are happening that are terrible that need to have, these kinds of responses to as far as massive protests to be like, Hey, let's have better versions of the things that are supposed to protect us. Right. And I think that there's, there's so many instances of this. I mean, the instance that I also, I live up in the Bay and the Bay is, is fairly like open and tight about things that happen in the Bay. Um, you know, for example, like I, I I would just say that if you come to the Bay, you kind of get a different sense of, what is considered community, I suppose. Um, cause we're also, we're all a bunch of small cities tightly packed into like this place called the Bay. Um, but this happened with like something over at Lake Merritt too, where a black family was enjoying a barbecue at Lake Merritt on a Sunday. And then this woman came by, called the cops and said like, you're not allowed to do this. And you know how the Bay responded? The Bay responded by having the next, the following week, just thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> having a barbecue at Lake Merritt because fuck that shit. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're not about that. Um, but these things can be innocent. Like what we just discussed here, a barbecue or like a dog walk on a leash, but they also can get very deadly. Um, and the other thing that really sucks about the Minneapolis police thing is just that they've had a history of police brutality, including against again, Hmong Americans. Um, I think that there was like, a lot of my family has been sharing this woman, uh, this mother who's had her, who, whose son was killed, who's 18. Um, and he was, I guess, just being hauling in the wrong place. And, uh, Hmong community is fairly large out there. It's the second largest Hmong community uh, in the I was, U.S. I was about to ask you, is the Hmong community very large up in Minneapolis? I know, like, yeah, not to, not to go too far away from that. I know, like this, uh, no. like so, like a lot of Somalians are are in that. Like, a lot of Somalians, yeah. So like, that's why Congressman uh, Ilan Omar 
you know, she's doing, uh, I think she, she has a lot of great support there. She's Somali American. It's interesting to me that, that like Minneapolis is yeah, a hotbed for, <laughs> for various, for forms of a diversity. Yeah. I'm not really sure why, how they were like, Hey, we'll, we'll take you from Somalia to Minneapolis. I imagine, I imagine there's some, uh, some tax incentives. Well, and... that and like, just like some basic geography related history as far as like expansion into the like, various communities that are I, I suppose, probably underdeveloped at that time. And now, you know, because there's so much land available or what have you, it's, you know, flourishing. Since then. <laughs> that's a different discussion i'm just curious yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I didn't realize i didn't realize that the Hmong community was so large there yeah the Hmong community second largest uh, the first largest is in fresno california which is where i was born um second largest is in minneapolis uh twin cities st paul um but her son was killed and she stood with the black lives matter folks and you know there's a lot of divisiveness within the Hmong community of like well you know honestly like brute, uh, like just very forwardly a lot of Hmong people are saying well black people would never stand with us I think that she's the example that they would. Um, this is not an easy subject for her to approach. Obviously, she she lost her like 18 year old son, and you know when you when you look back at all this history, all these issues, um, I think about a few things. One of them being, how is this possible? You know, if we were to start going to like more structured territory, how is this how is this possible? And I don't have like a great answer obviously i'm not in law enforcement i don't neither is aaron unless he's like a secret men in black agent um <laughs> oh no i've been i've been <laughs> neuralized um but i think that there's just people have pointed to training people have pointed to uh, i think that was a great sign that said uh, if you're going to be a hairstylist or a barber your number of hours that you need is much longer than it is to become a police officer um, you also have this like huge onslaught of police doing a lot of things. What I mean by that is that yes, they do traffic enforcement. They also do like, you know, infractions. They also do like just regular police work on top of everything that you've seen in cops um, and everything that you've seen in the movies and whatever else. And I think that it just leads to them having this huge oversight that is, it's very broad, but at the same time, like allows them to do various things um, in their, I guess, their capacity. I mean, I think about like traffic stops and I think about like Philando Castillo. I mean, like we could just keep on naming names the entire episode for sure. But Philando Castillo was like super sad. I mean, he told the cop, I have a license to carry a weapon. He was reaching for his license, his driver's license. And the cop just like pulled out his gun and started shooting him. It was crazy, uh, and I, and I don't like watching these videos because they make me sad. But uh, it's just infuriating at the same time. Like, why does this have to happen? You know. And so when I think about like the training aspect of these police officers, like I'm, I'm not really sure how they are trained per se. You know, I, I don't really know if they go through this intensive training on implicit bias or on how to use your weapon or whatever the case is. I, I always find it very interesting to see. Um, I guess how much they carry with them in terms of ammunition and in terms of like firepower. And I just think, wow, this is a, it's, it's kind of scary. If like, if you're not with guns, like if you're not like a drug dealer, like, like, a you know, Al Pacino and Scarface, um, you, know, you probably don't really have one. Um, but at the same time, I just, I kind of find it hard to to understand like how this is sourced, and I'm curious if you have any sort of thoughts, Aaron, on why they're why the brutality is so brutal, but also 
is because there's just like a bunch of kids, um, like actual like eight, like twenty year olds or whatever the case is that just are scared. I don't know. I mean, and I'll say up front, like I'm not trying to speak out of turn to like offend anyone specifically. That's not like the idea. I am. Here. No. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, there's no. There, there's no clear like answer to like what it is that does this. There's just a lot of like symptoms and a lot of things that build up to it for certain groups uh, and you know certain types of people that you know join law enforcement. There are many that just have good thoughts in mind as far as like what they want to do. They want to protect their community. They want to serve. They want to do anything that kind of <laughs> is deemed you know to be helpful and utilize whatever they think are their skills for that I, I i know people i have friends that are police officers or what have you in various forms at the same time yeah there are a lot there are a number that you know they want that power or they want to they, they want to satisfy a certain need to be in control of things or have a kind of level of authority um it's out there and even if it's not out there to begin with there is a sort of there's a side effect to being given that kind of authority at times, which is proven to be very apparent. And there's also a logic of you have to support your own type of thing, too. So, it, you know, when you have someone acting up, there is, a, there's, you know, there's a choice to be made as far as are you going to call that person out or are you going to, you know, stand behind them no matter what. And that does seem to be, you know, exhibiting itself in the, a lot of scenarios here when I mean, you were, you were watching. You talk about the, the the old man that was pushed down and had his head bleeding and everything, and they suspended, what, the two cops involved or whatever, and mm -hmm. then the other, like, 57 or so resigned in solidarity, and... They resigned, they resigned from that specific special tactics unit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's just, there's, I think, a lot of examples of that kind of thing where... It seems to go beyond. It goes. It's. It becomes like a principle. Like regardless of the the scenario presented, there's this principle that seems to want to be upheld, and I find that to be unfortunate, just because of we're losing sight of like the reason these things happen to begin with. Like it becomes mm -hmm. more important to stand up for your own like personal thoughts on like how the system is working versus who's being affected in all of this, and that that overweighs things. And it becomes this sort of us versus them mentality when it should be a we should ask questions and look into things on how to make it better next time. Right. Which is, again, that's what these protests are like. It's not about like disabolish, you know, abolishing, abolishing like the entire police system or saying we don't need this anymore. It's about, hey, maybe we can we can stop focusing on like how to how to deal with just this one thing or who should be blamed in all of this. And it should, and maybe we should focus on how do we stop this from happening again? How do we stop this from continuing to be a thing? How do we stop this from being a thing that we do again, five years from now, one year from now, 10 years from now, whenever, because we didn't solve it the one time or we didn't question it the one time. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> Yeah, and I think it it's sucks. about a... <laughs> it's, it. It right. sucks that there's not this kind of ultimate solution. It sucks that there's not this kind of uh, that the logic isn't in the minds of everyone to say, you know what? Instead of battling against the idea that people are protesting, maybe 
maybe we should we should delve into the message behind all of this and really sit down and ask about that, think about that, deliberate things and come up with some actual solutions rather than just continue to stand by and say, well, they're wrong or, uh, you know, fight back and, and and watch these people and say, well, I guess it's time to get out the tear gas because clearly talking to people makes no sense. Yeah, and, and I do have large problems with that. I think that actually you've delved into a lot of specific issues like on a federal level, but also I think like on a on a response level and also like a mentality level um, across the, the, you know, the United States. I think one of the things that I, when you were talking and I was thinking about just this, why are we doing this? Um, it's just about accountability too. Like if you're a police officer and you are involved in some sort of incident um, and you're not held accountable for your actions, then what does that sort of say to you? I mean, Again, I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody. I'm kind of just putting some pieces together. And I think about I think about just the logic behind that. It's like, hey, by the way, um, you know, I know that you accidentally fired your weapon and you killed this woman. I mean, I'm thinking about like another Minneapolis police shooting. This is like that that woman from Australia um, who called the police because she was um, she saw she thought she heard something in her alleyway. She called the police. She came out to flag them down. They shot her and she died. Um and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're not held accountable for, like, discharging your weapon, wherever the case is, then what's the deal here? Um, like, we should, what we're trying to say is, and what we're protesting against is, yes, police brutality, but also, like, who's held accountable for all this stuff? And I don't actually know, like, whether it's a police union or whether it's just some people that are just pushing it down or, you know, if you forget, then, you know, I don't know what the rules are. I was listening to a podcast with Bill Simmons and... Um, DeRay, I want to get his last name. DeRay McKesson. So DeRay McKesson is uh, kind of like founding Eight Can't Wait. And it's essentially just eight things that police departments can do right now from a local municipality perspective to reduce police violence, like in, including things like, are you going to de-escalate the situation? Are you going to not chokehold anybody? Those are the examples. Um, but he mentioned something that was very kind of sad uh, about police statistics which is not all of these have to be reported and the reason why is because if you don't fire your weapon it doesn't have to be reported on the same level if you forget about it for a year it doesn't have to be reported by like some review board or whatever the case is it's very fascinating watch to listen to police statistics and how they can get lost in the shuffle it's kind of like just jarring like ways to get around things um and i, I think that yes if you keep reading, you probably know these things, but just bringing these to light, just surfacing them is part of the issue too. Like what Aaron was mentioning about the protests and how it's been happening time and time and time and time again. I think if you are of the mindset of, well, now will be the last time. Like it's, if it starts quelling down, like let's go back to normal. It's going to be great. I don't think that's really the mentality to have. Uh, I think the mentality to have is, great we're challenging all these ideas and beliefs that have been held long held on to for decades hundreds of years maybe even um and we can't go back to new normal we have to create this new normal and this is what this is all about this is not about um you know those killings of those uh, humans that i talked about earlier it's about everything it's about you know all this systemic violence and racism within the United States, and Aaron, you mentioned like the international global impact of this, and I was very touched to see all those things. 
because it's not just I, I don't think that they're necessarily in some part they're they are standing with the United States, but at the same time, there's racism everywhere. Like France had their 2014 rebellion. We talked about Les Mis like three weeks ago or something like that, and that was in large part like sort of related to the 2014 um, uprising or was I forget the year, but there was like a there's racism in France against uh, black individuals or people coming from African countries. Um, there's racism like in Australia for the Aboriginals. Um, so I mean I was glad to see all these countries come together. Um, and have the same message, which is Black Lives Matter. It's like comforting to know that there's so many people that are on the same side, uh, but at the same time, like it's difficult when you have a contingent of folks that are, are in power that have these um, late levers, levers to pull that make things difficult to change. And I think when I think about just how you can help um, as we round things out, I suppose, how you can help is... A vote for sure. There's no other like larger voice than for you to register to vote and vote. Um, you know, some of these are, are some of these people are appointments that a city council member or a mayor has or a governor has. Some of these are vote-ins, um, these positions of power. Like for example, like a sheriff is somebody that you vote in, um, and. I think there's just a lot of ways that you can be an ally for black Americans, black individuals, African-Americans, African individuals, vocalize yourself too. like you put yourself in harm's way. And, you know, more people or Asian Americans, we, we tend to be a, a little bit more on the quiet side. Um, but fuck that shit. You know, like this is there's no there's no time for that anymore. Like we're all in this together. And what I mean by that is like not a whole entire like. Yeah, it happened once and we're going to more. No, <laughs> we are a minority in this country. What people don't see is like, well, if this is only Black Lives Matter. No, it's like Black Lives Matter and like every other person of color that has faced injustice as well. We should join in this movement and really push forward for something that would be more equitable, you know. Um, and so, it's a greater message that can sometimes get lost in the conversation. It's there, there's a symbolic aspect to saying Black yeah. Lives Matter. And that's why, you know, in having discussions with, like with people like my mom or having in discussions with like family members, it's like, well, why are you supporting like this? It's like if you don't understand, then I'm happy to talk to you about it for sure. Um, but it is a larger movement as well. You know what I mean? Like everybody has long faced discrimination. But I think about just like things like that where it's like, yeah, you know, donate to funds, donate to Black Lives Matters funds or local food banks or like what I was telling Aaron, it's like every little bit counts. Retweet that tweet or like that tweet. You know what I mean? And uh, make your voice heard, make push a story onto Instagram stories, you know, like there's like people I, I love that there's like photos coming up on, on Twitter of, of like kids marching by themselves in front of their house because nobody else would come to the march or like this old man that couldn't really go that far and he he marched by himself um there's support from like uh i don't know if you saw this tweet too like this woman who was in a concentration camp um during world war ii and she came by to show her support with uh her caretakers you know she showed the the tattoo on her arm of, of her number um and you know, it's like, dude, every little bit helps, you know, as much as you can provide. And if you're not on that boat, you know, then sorry, I don't really want to talk to you as much anymore. You know, like, unless like we can have a, a dialogue about it. Um, 
I certainly think that that you know there's there's a right way and there's a wrong way and and the people that are not on the same page of trying to understand what this movement is about trying to understand like how we can get some sort of um, again legislative equality and equity out of this like we can't live in this old guard anymore you know and this old guard is just like I don't even know like how to accurately describe it but I, I would love to have a discussion like if that if it's merited but it certainly is something about just continuing to learn and I, ha- I have all these like chats with like my side friends or I'm sorry I have all these side chats with my friends um my side friends sound like side friends they don't I know they don't they don't get to be in that conversation <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that I don't tell friends or friends that I'm friends with but um no I I have discussions about this all the time because we're a fairly um like talkative group and you know we're talking about like education reform and and all this other stuff too and like it just is a matter of discussing with people things that are uncomfortable you know like things were not good before like Aaron and I grew up in like the 90s and like the aughts um just because like we remember things like with rose colored glasses does like we talk about movies like Batman we talk about like Batman Forever or whatever the case is McDonald's tie-ins and it doesn't mean that things were great. I mean, Rodney King, what happened in like 1991, um, you know, it was like a lot of divisiveness around O.J. Simpson's uh, trial. Um, there's just been so many things that have happened in between. And those are like two large pillars of like the 90s, but still like everything in between. Like it, it wasn't as though things were honky dory like no, back in not, the day. You're not wrong. I mean, I mean the things are <laughs> there. There's it's built from the ground up. I mean, it's, it's, it's always been, the, it's, I mean, this country is founded on slaves. I mean, there's, there's so many things um, that have contributed to why things are the way they are. And the fact that they haven't changed is sadly not surprised, especially speaking as one that studied history in college. I mean, there's centuries of this kind of thing all over the place. I mean, but like looking at just how it relates to current events right now. Yeah. I mean, there's, for us, speaking as people in our 30s that have grown up in a certain time frame, yeah, there are very significant events that have taken place that have just reemphasized the fact that there's always been this kind of inherent level of racism built into the system, and it's affected the way trials turn out, the way things are handled, the way certain people are left in charge, or what have you. Uh, and it's it's honestly weird, though, where the 90s, not saying, like you said, it's not it's not like it was some kind of perfect time, but at the same time, there was there was a level of progression that was kind of taking hold, which was honestly thwarted into in the in the aughts, like it, it based off regime changes and where our attention went to as far as the response to the war on terror and everything. It's just like all there there was a I think a heavier regression that's only taken hold more now that they, it kind of led into the Obama administration and then the kind of fight against that turned into the thing that we have now, which has made things, I don't know if I could say worse than ever because, you know, Jim Crow laws are a lot <laughs> less mm-hmm. prevalent now than they were in like the 40s, 50s, whatever. But, the, you know, the, the animosity that's out there in terms of the divide that there is now because it's been stoked by people that are high up in power has certainly not made things better. <laughs> and to turn that around to see the response that's going on right now and how it's taken the form of, you know, giant groups like black lives matter, but as, but just as far as the like uh, society, society response 
citizen response and the amount of it, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that it hasn't died down, that it really feels like this is a moment where things are uh, not just like cresting over and being like, well, we said we had to say that it's a constant message. It's something that's being put out there in large, large forms. And as we mentioned, different countries or what have you, that I can't say that that's going to make me think, well, things are finally going to change now. That said, my eternal optimism makes me want to think, well, something's going to result from this. And I, I want to know what that is. I don't know what that solution is offhand just because I'm not, I'm not high enough in that chain to, you know, have this layout of plans and be like, these are the realistic things. All I can think is, I just, I, I want to have that hope that hey, the, the a, a good majority of the public is making it clear of things that are wrong that need to be different now, and I, I want to see where that goes. Yeah, totally. And you know, just to speak on how your optimism works, just to reemphasize. It doesn't have to be a large, like, you don't have to fly to Washington, D.C. to go march with everybody down Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, it can be in your local community as well. You know, things happen everywhere, right? Um, and what this means is it's kind of like the old adage of, you know, the smallest public can create a ripple um, mm -hmm. down the line. And it just matters, you know what I mean? Like, if you firmly believe in what you're doing uh, to help, tied the systemic racism or make a change in the systemic racism that is prevalent um then yeah try and do it you know um, in the again. midst of in the midst of other things that are still happening there's still a worldwide pandemic there's still right there's still lots of other problems out there but i mean it, i do think there is a matter of wanting to you know <laughs> go after the kind of justice you can um, and it doesn't it doesn't you know diminish the the amount of other things that are you know problematic or creating issues or still need to be dealt with. But at the same time, being able to kind of tackle something in such a large form th that means more than it doesn't. Right. So so keep at it. Keep your voices loud. Um, we'll provide some links to ways that you can donate and where you can donate um, federally. I'm sorry, not federally, uh, on a nationwide scale um, or even locally uh, in Orange County or in the Bay. Um, and just do your do your part. You know, don't be shy about these things. I mean, what I love about like my little city, I was telling Aaron, is uh, we're, we're like a small city in between a bunch of other small cities that will lead up to a large city like Oakland or Richmond or um, Berkeley. Um, but there's just like, you know, old old ladies that just hang out on a corner block with signs that say end racism and people just honk, but it's only like four of them, but Hey, they're doing their part and, you know, honking, supporting them. Great. Um, if you feel as though you have enough to go stand and sit with them then fantastic, but every little bit helps. Has there been an apology for slavery in the U S <laughs> that's a, that's a different that's a complicated question. <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious because there, there you know, are like, there are there are forms of that that can say yes. There are lots of forms that can say no. Yeah, I mean, I, in in large part, it's just because like when you think about like other countries, something like I think New Zealand did this. New Zealand publicly apologized as a government for the Aboriginal hate that they had brought upon the the islands when the settlers came. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, you know, that just leads to additional healing, you know. Um, South like, Africa is another kind of... With apartheid? Yeah. Yeah, where it's like, you know, you have to acknowledge these issues. And just like any time that you have a problem, like you have a personal problem, you definitely have to acknowledge it, right? You know, whether that's like a vice that you have or whether that's just like some sort of like habit that you have. You know, it could be as simple as like, I buy too many pairs of basketball shoes or whatever the case is. If you admit that you're spending too much money, um, you can definitely your see problems now, I see. Just as an example, it's like something small, <laughs> but you know, something, something that you do have to acknowledge it so that you can kind of create like different pathways in your brain to understand it. But, um, yeah, keep doing your part. Uh, keep pushing, keep, um, keep making everything much more open. Um, like it scares me to think about some of these things that I'm seeing on the interwebs, uh, about unmarked police um, and unmarked vehicles and whatever the case is, um, but I'm here for it. I'm I'm all I'm all for the movement. I'm all for trying to, you know, play my part as big or as small as it is, um, and contributing to political campaigns or con- contributing to um, social campaigns that I think will will. Um, move this country in a different way but yeah i mean somber episode for sure aaron i kind of want to hand it over to you for your some some of your closing thoughts i mean uh... <laughs> or if you don't have any no I, i'm just <laughs> i'm just trying to gather something together <laughs> i mean because i mean what what you're saying is you know I agree with like there's no <laughs> I, I, it's hard I I, can't, I don't just want to repeat what you had to say. What I can say is yeah I mean we wanted it made in talking about what to do this week it made more sense to kind of address everything than not which is how I you know opened the show and stating is why we're doing this to begin with and I do think that there's there's value in having these conversations not just in this podcast format but in you know within people's own families within within educating uh you know the younger generation and what have you as far as why these things are happening i think i honestly think that's the most important thing here even not to like to to give credit to those that are just you know willingly saying like that this is you know this doesn't matter but at the same time like i think it's it's all it's almost as important to just understand why it's happening to begin with regardless of where you're kind of siding with everything although i do think it's an important it's important i i do think the the fact that having these conversations and having the information that's out there which is so easily accessible these days it's ridiculous like imagine trying to do this in you know the this in, in the civil rights movement which you know still was able to accomplish something yet not having the resources that we have now to really get into what it is that we're you know going after here i think education is such a key importance to all of this finding ways to realize why things are the way they are what can we do to solve that and you know finding ways to be supportive all of that's it's incredibly important especially if you want to have a better future and i'd rather think that there is a better future possible rather than one that continues on with a certain status quo that has failed a lot of people that 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 doesn't have people measuring up to a certain level based off very simple things like I'm born looking like this, I'm born feeling this way, and I I'd rather think that taking action now means a better tomorrow, uh, and and that's that's some of the best I can think of as far as how to contend with 
why I don't feel great right now about how we are as a society versus what can go on next. Yeah, I mean, and that's essentially it for, for the episode. I mean, I remember I'm surprised by how calm I am because I remember calling you uh, and being like, we have to do this episode about like all these issues. And I was like super upset and manic. I know I had to I had to put the phone on the table because the decibel <laughs> level was so loud. Yeah, I was like really, <laughs> I was really uh, in the moment, I guess, uh, just really frustrated with a lot of things. But uh, I'm, I'm surprised by how we saw just get those pressure points. <laughs> Yeah, I needed uh, I needed my own Captain uh, Joe pants to, to give me some Wusa tips, but yeah, no, I'm surprised uh, how calm I am. <laughs> but um, well, that's the thing too, right? In having these kinds of conversations, and ideally with having them with specifically like with older generations as to why this is happening and you know where their mindset might be, I do think being calm is a huge part of this. That's why peaceful protests are obviously the way to go in a lot of these instances. Like that's it's not about like screaming at the top of your lungs at the same time. Sometimes I understand that's necessary because no one's going to listen. Uh, but that comes out of people not listening when you're peacefully doing something to begin with. And that's mm-hmm. a whole different conversation. But I mean, it, it, I, I do think, and you know, the scheme of things, talking, talking it out, talking it out, understanding something, looking at the other side of where your allegiances might lie, looking at why this is happening. That matters so much. And that could go yeah. so far if you just stop and listen. Perfect ending point, man. Well, yeah, I uh, I do think this is a valuable conversation. I, I look forward to, uh, you know, getting, for one thing, I look forward to seeing where all of this goes as far as reality goes. But as far as this podcast goes, yeah, it's it's nice to get into here in this territory. It'll, we, we have some ideas for what to do kind of next with the program and everything. And, of course, what better time than for a new Spike Lee film to come out the next week. So that's going to be nice as well. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, no, we're going we're, we're gonna to get back into the scheme of things. Uh, but for the time being, I think that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode. So uh, until next time, so long. And goodbye. <laughs>